0: The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ in His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Melanie. So a reminder, uh, we are going to be moving to two services starting next week. Uh, so we will have a 9 o'clock and a 10.30. At the 9 o'clock service, we will have our Kids Minute uh, and that will also be the service that we live stream. So if you're t- tuning in via live stream, uh, that service is going to be happening at 9 instead of 9.30. Uh, but it will be available from 9 on. So if you wanted to come to the 10.30 online, it will be available for you to watch uh, on online through the link uh, that we send. But that's going to be happening next week um, as a way to... Uh, uh, work within the parameters of the room here, but also as a way for us to continue to, um, to invite uh, friends and neighbors who may not have a church home and are uh, looking for one uh, to be able to come and be a part of what we're doing here at Christ Press Cool Springs. So, that's next week. Uh, this psalm uh, is short, to the point, um, and beautiful. It starts with, come bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, and it ends with, may the Lord bless you, uh, from Zion. So it's it's an invitation for us to bless the Lord, and it's also a a pronouncement of blessing upon us as we seek to do that, that the Lord would bless us. It's an invitation. It's also a command. Uh, Every so often, I will say, I love to hike, and every so often I will say to one of my kids hey, why don't we go for a hike at the park? And when they hear me say that, uh, here's how it hits them. I'm inviting them to go hike with me in the park. I'm also kind of commanding them to go walk with me in the park. It's, it's a little bit of a twofer, right? I'm, it's an invitation, uh, but it's also an invitation that they must accept, Right? <laughs> Um, And, uh, you know, it's because what I'm doing is I'm saying, hey, look, there are things that we need in our lives uh, that are good, and I am calling you into those things, and I'm calling you into those things with me. This is the way it is with God. When he gives us an invitation in Scripture, it's a command. When he gives us a command in Scripture, it's an invitation. Inherent in any invitation from God is an implicit um, command, Right? And, so, and that idea is, is important for us, especially as we're trying to think through what do we make of the commands of the Lord, because there, there, are, there are many of them. Uh, and today's psalm is that, it's an invitation, come, bless the Lord. It's also a command, come, bless the Lord. And so I want to talk about that, I want to get into this, and, and kind of as an underlying premise... Uh, or, or a concept that I think we need to put in our minds is this. Uh, by the way, this is a premise that I believe is under assault right now in our cultural moment. Um, and the, and, the, and the, the, the concept is this, that God has the right to tell us what we need for our own spiritual well-being. God has the right to do that. He gives good gifts, and he has the right to command us when I tell one of my kids, let's go for a hike together, by right of being, you know, the father in the family, um, I have the right to, to, to command them. What I want, the response I want is, is, is this. I want them to look at me and say, command my soul. <laughs> command me, right? That's what the Lord wants. The Lord wants us to say to him, and part of blessing him is to say, command my soul, command me. So here we have, come bless the Lord. All you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord, lift up your hands to the holy place, bless the Lord. May the Lord bless you. What's happening here is is we're being invited into something that we must do as his people. Corporate, co- corporate worship, the gathering of the people of God, whether it's in person or whether it's via live stream or online, whatever it is, the gathering of the people of God, corporate worship centers on, and we talk about this every week in the call to worship, centers on the invitation from Jesus to come into his presence. We come to the Lord's table because Jesus invites us to his table as he says to us, do this, right? So it's an invitation And a command, do this. And through communing together, what do we do? We remember what Christ has done for us that gives him that authoritative voice in our lives. We we remember what Christ has done for us and we proclaim our faith in him. We remember, we proclaim. As we step out of the demands of this past week, I don't know what your last week was like, uh, mine was full of all kinds of things, um, but as we step out of the demands of the last week, the goal when we gather in worship, the goal when we, when we worship the Lord on the Sabbath, when we gather in His presence, is to, is to slow down, right, it's to rest, it's to take a breath, it's to quiet ourselves in the presence of Jesus, and then to take some of what we experience in corporate worship with us, then into the week ahead, right? So we worship on the first day of the week. The Sabbath is the first day of the week in the New Testament community where we rest preemptively to take the experience of worship and, 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 and the, the things that we learn in worship and from one another into the week that's ahead for us. And so we do that. This psalm is an invitation for us. Enter into that. Today, enter in enter into what you were called to do, what you were created to do, and that is to worship and enjoy the Lord forever. These words are, 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 are words to people whose lives are a journey, right? We're on a journey. But we are not without a guide. That was one of the first things we said in the Psalms of Ascent, that we are pilgrim disciples. That yes, we're on a journey, we're pilgrims, but we're also disciples. We're on a journey and we're following someone. We're learning for someone. And so this psalm is saying, bless the one that you follow. Lift holy hands. It's an astonishing invitation that we've been given, that there's no separation between us and God, that the curtain has been lifted. So this psalm and this table that we're going to come to in just a little bit are an invitation to bless the Lord. Eugene Peterson in his book, Along Obedience in the Same Direction, he he said this, I think it's a good good thing to remind us of. Um, He says this, he said, this psalm is an invitation, come bless God. Did you have a fight with your spouse on the way here? That's all right, you're here now, bless God. Did you lose touch with your children while coming and aren't just sure where they are right now? Put that aside for the moment. They have their own pilgrimage to make. You are here. Bless God. Are you embarrassed at the number of times you quit and had to have someone pick you up and carry you? No matter, you're here. Bless God. We come from all kinds of places into this room, into this moment. We come from all kinds of places through all sorts of experiences and trials and joys. I don't know what yours have been this past week, but I know you've had them. But we're here now, in this moment. And we're here and we're invited to receive from the Lord. And so may we do that. This psalm opens with, come, bless the Lord. And it ends with, and may the Lord bless you. In other words, this experience of worship is relational. It's a very relational thing. It's not something where we, we come and we just put in our time and we go through a ritual hoping that the sleeping God is awake or hoping that the distant God somehow draws near. We come because it's relational, that really we are in the presence of the Lord and He is with us. And so we seek the blessing of a God who actually delights to give it. It's a beautiful thing. What's the blessing that we seek? It's a theme that runs throughout the entire Psalms of Ascent, throughout the book of Psalms, throughout Scripture. The blessing that we seek is is clarity about who God is and who we are to Him, because that's where our souls find rest. Our souls find rest in knowing who He is and who we are to Him. I want to jump over to a series of verses from Psalm 119 which is all about delighting in the law of God. These are verses 12 through 19, and I just want to read them and then discuss them just very briefly this morning. He says this, the psalmist says this in Psalm 19, verse 12 through 19. "'Blessed are you, O Lord, teach me your statutes. "'With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. "'In the way of your testimonies I delight.'" As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I'm a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commands from me. I love how countercultural this psalm is because what it's doing is it's focusing on the wisdom of asking God to illuminate His, His instruction and commands for my life. It's saying, Lord, command my soul. Show me your statutes. Show me your law. Cause my heart to delight in it and then walk in it. One of the criticisms you'll hear about the Bible a lot of times, is that it's nothing more than a big list of rules. It's just a big rule book. It's stuffy, it's oppressive. The truth is, it's most certainly not a big list of rules. Most of Scripture is narrative. Most of Scripture is story. That being said, it is filled with rules. The question is, how do you feel about that? Is it inherently problematic if it is filled with rules? And on what basis would we say that? On what basis would we say, well, the reason I don't like Scripture is because it has so many rules in it. What what if the rules come from a perfect, all-loving, all-wise, gracious, merciful, creator and sustainer of the entire universe who knows you by name and has a wonderful plan for your life. What if, what if the rules are authored by that person, that God? Then is it a problem that it's filled with rules? Or is it just us making a declaration about rules in general and that is I want no one to command my soul but me. No one should command my soul but me. See, that's the question we have to ask. What is my general opposition to a list of rules? Do I want to be free from them? And if so, why? Is it that we, don't, we just don't want people telling us how to live? But what if there is a way that leads to contentment? What if there is a way that leads to joy? What if there is a way that leads you out of that thing that sits on your shoulders like a hundred-pound sack of concrete day in and day out. And God is saying, there are ways for you to live and to walk and to relate that will deliver you from the pain that you walk in when you rebel against me. In other words, what if we're not left in the awful position of having to just invent reality? What if instead there is a reality that is established? It's established by a creator who made it. What if we are as the psalm said in Psalm 119, what if we are we're sojourners on the earth and unless somebody shows us the way we're lost. What if that someone exists? If that someone exists shouldn't our prayer be Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Show me. Show me how to walk in that. Shouldn't the response be, I bless you, God, and I ask you to bless me. Command my soul. To receive an invitation as a command requires something. And what it requires is it requires faith in the goodness of the one commanding. So if God invites me into something, but it's also a command, for me to receive that invitation as a command requires that I trust in the goodness of the one commanding. Do you trust in the goodness of God? Do you believe that he has good things for you? Because if you don't, his invitations are going to feel not like invitations, but only like commands. And those commands will have little inviting about them. But if we do trust in the goodness of God, then we hear his commands as gold, as just gold for living. What did Jesus teach us about our Heavenly Father's commanding nature? What he told us is he said, your Heavenly Father is good. And he did what so much of Scripture did, is he told a story. He told it just in a sentence, but he said, would a good father... If his child asks for bread, give him a stone. If he asks for a fish, would he give him a serpent? Your heavenly Father is good. He won't do that. The good Father withholds no good thing. And the good Father who withholds no good thing is also the same good Father who gives no bad thing. He withholds no good thing. He gives no bad thing. So if we ask for bread, he won't give us a stone. If we ask for fish, he won't give us a serpent. Here's the problem. The truth is, sometimes what we ask him for is a stone. Sometimes what we ask him for is a serpent. We don't know that we're doing that, but sometimes what we're asking him for are things like a stone (coughs) that are useless or like a serpent that are harmful And when we ask God for things that are useless or harmful for our souls, what does a good father do? He says, no. He says, that's not the way. This is the way. Walk in it. As sure as he won't give a serpent when his child asks for a fish, neither will he give his child a serpent when his child unwittingly asks for a serpent. What does God need to do to prove his goodness to us? Well, that's what you call in homiletics a trick question. Because Romans tells us what he's already done, right? What he's already done to prove his goodness to us. Romans says that God demonstrated his kindness in that while I was still a sinner His Son, Jesus Christ, died the death that I deserve to die so that I could have life in His name forevermore. So the question is, where are you looking as you search for the presence and the goodness of God? What are you asking Him to give to you? Because sometimes what we're asking Him to give us is everything that our hearts desire And if he withholds what it is that we're asking, we don't believe that he's good, even though sometimes what we're asking is not for our good. What are you asking him to give you? Is it something that will poison your heart against his right to parent you? Are you asking for a serpent or a stone? May our prayer now and the prayer that we take into the coming week be this, Lord, Open my eyes, as your psalm says, open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Command my soul. The question then comes, what if I don't feel like it? <laughs> what if I don't feel like that? What if, what if I just, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. Eugene Peterson, again, he addresses this. He says, someone says, yeah, but I don't feel like saying, bless the Lord. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I can't bless God If I don't feel like blessing God, it wouldn't be honest. The biblical response, this is still Peterson talking, the biblical response is lift up your praising hands to the holy place and bless God. You can lift your hands regardless of how you feel, he says. It's a simple motor movement. You may not be able to command your heart, but you can command your arms. Lift your arms in blessing. Maybe your heart will get the message and be lifted up in praise also. Body and spirit are intricately related. We know this. We live this out practically, right? We, we watch Parks and Rec because we want to laugh, because we don't like how we felt before we watched Parks and Rec, right? We know that the act of doing that lightens the heart. We know that body and soul are related. We know that I'm not fe- I don't feel like going out or going to, to this dinner or tuning in with my connect group. But I know that after I have done it, I'm glad I did it. I know that it, the act of showing up was a place where the Lord worked on my heart and on my soul. We come to the Lord's table. Right, We come to the Lord's table, and this table speaks to the fact, look, you're likely to forget, and you need routine. You need ritual. You need to return over and over again. You need to come to something even when you don't feel like coming to it. And this is a grace from the Lord saying, yeah, just keep doing this. Just keep doing this. This call to participate in things that we don't feel like doing because God knows we lose sight of things. And so he says, I'm going to help you. We're invited to the communion table as God's people, not just to return to the act of breaking bread together, but to come again to this table that calls us to remember what God has done to redeem us and restore us to himself. And so I ask again, where are you looking at uh, God's instruction and suspecting it isn't really what you need and it isn't really what you want? What fatherly commands has he given you which you're turning away because you don't like it or you don't understand it. I pray that the Lord would give us eyes not only to see the arrogance of the position that says, If 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 I don't understand it, it must not make sense. But also I pray that he would give us eyes to see the wondrous grace that comes from the existence of his instruction and his command to his beloved creation that he's not silent but he said this is the way walk in it may we hear the invitation and the command to bless him in his presence it's a truly astonishing invitation and may we learn by the help of the holy spirit to hear and receive every command as an invitation to walk in his ways where there is life and where there is peace and where there is joy Trusting in His goodness and His love, may we receive His commands, His invitation to His love. Let me pray, Father. You give us Your Word, and You tell stories, and we watch narratives unfold, and You give us commands, uh, blunt statements, pointed statements about what to do, what not to do, uh, Lord. We feel so much uh, pressure and, and encouragement to uh, be very individualistic in the way that we think about our identities, that nobody can tell us what to do or who to be. Uh, Father, I pray that you would check our hearts there, that we would say, but you get to. You get to tell us who we are and who to be because you made us. And not only did you make us, but you made the world we inhabit, and you are righteous and perfect, and the things that our hearts long for will only be found in you. And so, Lord, make us receptive to that. Give us a desire for that. Move us to a place where we long to bless you, and and we have open hands to receive blessing from you. Thank you for the Psalms of Ascent, uh, this summer that we've had together walking through these psalms. Uh, Lord, and we ask that you would continue to knit your church together, uh, the local body and the church universal, and use us for the glory of your name and the furthering of your kingdom. It's in your name, Jesus, we pray, and for your glory. Amen.